0: This is Joshua Holt with the City and the Sound Podcast. Today is episode three. We're focusing on my boy Swayze. Swayze is a DJ, producer, and barber right here in Birmingham, Alabama, helped make some of the best hip-hop in the city. So before we get started with today's episode, if you have any other people you want me to interview from different cities around the country, you can email me at thecityandthesoundpodcast at gmail.com. And so before we get into the specifics and the details about Swayze, what I want you to do is open your ears... Expand your mind and listen to this.
1: As the sea comes speaking to me Siren voices drift out of key Wind and sea mix thoughts in my brain Never know if love will remain Like a wave Know how your eyes are to be
0: Today we got Sways. dude is a barber, DJ, dude is a producer. How's it going,
2: bro? Going pretty good, bro. Just chilling. We are seasick records here. We <laughs> went inside Seasick Records. Yeah. On a on a Sunday. On a Sunday, no the list. day off. The day off. So how's it going man? It's going pretty good, bro. Just chilling. Um same old same man. Yeah. Can't complain. We here, we healthy. We good, bro. <laughs>
0: So I know you're originally from the West Coast. So yes, like, how was that I,
2: like upbringing? Kind of growing up there? Um, it was pretty chill, man. I mean, I think like most kids, like you don't realize where you're growing up. You mm-hmm. know, um, it was a nice upbringing. I, I didn't consider it. You know, being cool, like oh, we're from, you know, we live in L.A. or we live, you know, in San Bernardino or we live, you know, yeah. I was just you just growing up and everybody's poor. <laughs> 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 yeah, so you learn that real quick. Yeah. But uh, it was fun, man. I had both my parents and my parents were together until I was about 16. So I had a good family life. I have an older sister. We just kicked it, hung out, went to church a lot. My dad was a minister. Really? So we spent a seven day week, we spent at least four, five days.
0: Did you like learn any music like growing up in the church?
2: Um, Yeah, man, actually. So I think, you know, going back to like being poor and having like a bad upbringing or not, or like a rough upbringing, excuse me um i think my dad realized early on that if he got me into something that it would keep me out of trouble yeah and he always wanted me to be a bass player so he would always like uh he would if we would listen to music he would say like this is this is a part of the bass this is the bass here and you he emulate the sound so early on i was like okay cool the bass sounds really cool yeah and when i i actually started showing interest in music around eleven. He bought me a bass, and he took me straight to the church. And they were like, teach my son how to play bass. <laughs> Did he expand upon why he wanted to be bass specifically? I think he always wanted to be a bass player. Mm-hmm. He, um, he played guitar. He had yeah. an acoustic guitar at, at home, and he always played it. And, um, but he would always end up playing bass on the guitar, so using that, those top four strings. Yeah. And there was a song called Wahida by San- Carlos Santana, and he would always play that. So one day he said, um, I said, Dad, I want to learn how to play bass. And he says, all right, learn this song. And I don't, I don't know what song it was, but um, he said, learn this song and we'll take it from there. So he left to work that morning. I learned uh, the this little bass line that he taught me. And by the time he got home, I was playing and by Santana as well. Dude, that's dope. Yeah, it was dope as fuck. Like, I don't, I still... I wish I was that sharp <laughs> how I was when I was 11, mm. but I think I blew him away at that point. Yeah. You know, I kind of blew myself away, really, because it's like I, I learned two songs, and he was like, oh, shit. And like I said, that's when he got me the bass, took me to church, and asked this uh, dude named Sam at the time to like, teach me. And in a week, he had me sitting up in front of the whole church, like, playing bass, which is embarrassing as hell, because <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing, you know, but... I guess he wanted me to get over like my jitters yeah. or whatever and like learn how to like play within like the confines of a band and whatnot. What was like the first bass that I like, gave you? Was it like a starter bass or like? It was a white bass. It was smaller than your average bass.
0: Yeah, it's like a short scale?
2: Yeah, a short scale bass. Um, it, was, it was made by a brand called Kingston. Um, that shit looked like he picked it up from like some hood ass pawn shop somewhere. It was new, Yeah. but it was like bootleg, you mm-hmm. know
0: what
1: I mean?
2: So, like, what
0: was some of the music you were kind of listened to growing up?
2: I know you mentioned Santana, but, like, what were some of the other artists? So, my, uh, the first actual, like, physical copies of anything that I ever had, um, and I'm showing my age right now, but there was a time where you would get, like, CDs for, like, a penny or yeah. something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. You would order it through, like, Columbia. And whatever. they would, like, send you the CDs. Yeah. Exactly. So, we never did that, but I think my dad had a homie who did, and he brought me home uh, two Jimi Hendrix CDs. So it was like, Are You Experienced? And I don't remember the other one. I think it was like Greatest Hits. So I listened to those a lot. I obviously listening to like Spanish music. Yeah. We listened to bands like, um, I, if there are any Latinos listening, we listen to bands like Los Yonics, uh, which is a really cool band. Los Angeles Negros, which is a super cool band. Like, to this day, I, I bang that shit from, they from Argentina. Um, what else? It was, uh, there's just a lot of music, man. A lot of Spanish music. Um, a lot of bolero, like, mm-hmm. like trios, basically, like Spanish trios. Um, so I listen to a lot of cool music. Really, really emotional music. Uh, like a lot of, very emotive music. And, we would uh, we would be in the car a lot going to and from church, and we would listen to a lot of um East Side stories, oldies mm. yeah, so it was a lot of that happening a lot of oldies yeah. so we're talking about the metaphors, we're talking about Stevie Wonder, yeah um Mary Wells, all that shit really have good you, stuff have you
0: like primarily like kind of sampled some of that music you listened to as a kid in your current productions
2: um not really because like to me that stuff is classic you yeah know? like sometimes and i know a lot of people would disagree but for me bro like i think that some some stuff is just should should be left alone yeah you know what i mean every now and again I'll, I'll mess around and and like listen to stuff and try to flip it but there's some stuff like What am I going to do with Brenton Wood? Like he's already incredible. Like why would I even touch that? Uh, But I know like other artists have and and made bangers out of them. Yeah. I just, for me personally, I just rather rework something different. You You don't do like the bad boy, like take the like take the Stevie Wonder (laughs) I wish sample (laughs) and flip that shit. (laughs) I mean, listen, man. If there's a if you're talented enough to do it and if you have the backing, because they're gonna hit you over the head with like you know publishing. Yeah. Then go for it. You know. But Mm. for me, it's all about like at least now I think I'm in a, in a position where I just want to, I just, I, not a position, but a, a, a space where I just want to create and do some, some different things, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was like the first hip hop record you ever heard?
2: Um, damn. I don't know. Well, growing up in the West coast, um, before I got into hip hop heavy, there was just a bunch of like cool music, uh, on the radio, everything from like Arabian Prince, who I didn't even recognize who I was listening to at the time. Yeah. Until like later on in life. But I think what the first hip hop songs that I really got into was um, the first song I-, I probably ever like really just that like, kind of blew my mind. And that was a little was like It's Tricky by uh,
0: Run DMC. Run DMC. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and only because somebody left a, like a VHS in my house of like of that. And, and that was on it. And I yeah. was just like, Oh, that's cool. But even then, I, I wouldn't say I, I wasn't a huge fan. I just, I just enjoyed it. I thought it was cool and yeah. I got the whole visuals and everything. And, um, but once I started listening to the radio, um, I started really liking like songs like tonight by DJ quick. Mm-hmm. Um, La Raza by Kid Frost, um, things like that. That's when I started making these little bootleg mixtapes. <laughs> was like the first time you like really like noticed like the beat of a song
0: because I feel like some people just you know they just think it sounds cool. But when you start to really like get into the details of like how this sounds.
2: Uh, that would probably later on in life, man. um I think when I, when I was just maybe maybe when I heard like the Fugees. Yeah. Yeah, I think. um. I think when I was I was a little bit older, maybe, not not exactly sure how old I was, but my my brother Paul, and I call him my brother, he's he's a brother-in-law at the time, um, still still my brother to me, and he gave me the Fuji's, like a, uh, he recorded it on a tape and gave it to me, and I was listening to like to that record nonstop. and I was yeah. just like, oh, this this is sick, this is incredible. And yeah, the production on there was was pretty rad. And and that I, from that moment on, I kind of spiraled into a whole world of like hip hop. Um, I know pretty much skipped the whole era, era, but because I was playing bass and because I was playing guitar, I went crazy into like alternative, like Nirvana, yeah, and like. Um, like stone temple pilots and stuff like that, <laughs> like, you know? interstate love song <laughs> yeah. well i like this i like this girl when i was in middle school and she was really into that mm-hmm. and uh i can play all these songs so yeah. was just like yo i'm gonna you know what <laughs> better way to impress <laughs> it's ridiculous but i feel like what it was bro. I feel like
0: alternative rock songs like the bass parts aren't like they're probably just sticking me into like the root notes right yeah
2: right but um i think at the time um what is um, Red Hot Chili Peppers had like under the bridge? Oh right? yeah, and I can play. I could play the the intro yeah. on the guitar, and I thought I was a man, bro. Like you <laughs> can't tell me nothing, you know. So ask out for a day, start playing the yeah. riff. <laughs> but if you notice, like that time frame, like when when I mentioned, and th- those are all, in my opinion, great bands, and I love that era of like mm-hmm. of rock music. To me, it's you know a golden era. Yeah. But on the flip side, there was a whole golden era of hip hop.
0: Happened at the same time
2: happening at the same time that i was kind of missing out on because i was so you know into you know what was happening with with alternative so you would listen to uh there was this this thing called the jukebox back in those days yeah and it was like a video like a video request show mm-hmm. um at least i think that's what the name was but you could listen to nirvana and then they would play like a War tour by tropical quest yeah so I was getting a little bit of, of, of the Tribe stuff and, like, you know, what was popular, like, Bist Marquis, You Got What I Need. I mean, who didn't love that record? Yeah. But I was more so into into the guitar stuff at the time, into playing bass and, you know, learning, you know, Green Day songs and mm-hmm. shit like that, yeah. So, like, what were you like you say would be, like, your top five, like, records? I can't answer that. You can't answer that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen an interview somewhere where you talked about, like, uh, Tribe Called Quest, Sade. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So those are... And even then, I, that was a really, that was really, that was really tough to answer that. And it's crazy that you even read that. My um, research meant. <laughs> I think one thing to point out, like I did mention Tribe Call Quest. I mentioned Sade, um, and I think what I was talking about at the time when I, when I, when I read it back, I, I realized that at that time I was driving already, like I had a license, well, not a license, but I had a car and, uh those were cool records to to ride around to yeah um but as far as like just to pick five records Mm -hmm. and say like these are the best records i've I've had uh i I don't think i can do that Mm. i got a lot of records that i really enjoy all
0: right better question then what is your Mm -hmm. your top
2: five hip-hop producers okay that's a good that's a great question also like there's so many, man. Um, well, I'm I'm gonna start. You're like chronological, gonna, or <laughs> nah, I don't even know. And these aren't in no particular order. Yeah. But I'll say like DJ Premier. Um, he's just like, just a real specific like hip hop sound. Boom like, bap. Yeah. Yeah, just a boom bap. Like the chops on those records. He always cuts his own, does his own cuts. So he's a sick ass DJ, and um, it just it's an unmistakable sound um also pete rock yeah pete rock in my opinion was like the king of the filtered bass you know Mm -hmm. filtered horns he has a specific sound to his music that it just reminds you uh like like very much like dj Premier, but reminds you of like new york hip-hop yeah Um, also i'll say um who else can I say? I'll say obviously Dr. Dre, um, which I was. I just think he's a, he's a king in every era, you know. He's reinvented himself like plenty of times, and um, and he just makes like great music. He went from being a DJ um, like Dr. Dre in Surgery, yeah, and, um, and just being like a, a dead ass just like DJ. To like making shit for NWa and DLC and DL, I mean DLC. I feel like people would like underrate that record as opposed to like his yeah. production. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was that record funky enough? Yeah. That's that so just like you know the way he flipped that misdemeanor by the Silvers. Um, come on, bro. Who's doing that, bro? Like he was incredible. <laughs> um, Jay Dilla, mm-hmm. obviously. I think I think we were all in... You're going to have to excuse my ignorance, but I think we were all fans of Dilla before we even knew who Dilla was. Because we already kind of heard those records, mm-hmm. Tribes, Some Village. Yeah. Because there was a... because um, um, So, Tribal Quest was doing records under uh, a name called The Uma, yeah, produced Q-tip, by The Uma. Al-Shahid. Right. Yeah. So, and I know early on it was, it was Q-Tip, which is also on that list. Q-Tip to me is... Fucking incredible. I love them. Um, but going back to Dilla, like, I know when, like, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, we were just we were just looking at the record. When that came out, I know um, Dilla was heavily producing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So we all knew the sound. We were all familiar with the sound. But we just, at least me, I couldn't pinpoint what it was. It was a very bass-heavy sound, very drum-heavy sound, and very, very light, like Fender Rhodes and different things going mm-hmm. on in the background, like very... Airy. Yeah. A real airy, uh, airy sound when they when it came to like melody, but very but rooted in hip hop with with the drums and the bass. So I'll say Jay Dilla for sure. And um my favorite is Mad Lib. Like mm. I I just fell in love with Mad Lib's music when the Lupac sound did sound pieces of antidote. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and uh, to me, like that's says most uh, that that I mean, you couldn't come into the game at that time w- without that introduction. Like it was very, like I guess SP twelve hundred. Yeah, and then once he got established doing that, then we started hearing Quasimodo and like, all the shit, and it's just like Mad Villain, and then you get to a position where you're like, dude, I just want to hear what he's gonna do like, next. Yeah, that sample and. I, to me he's always been an exciting producer man yeah even now like doing stuff with freddie gibbs like a dude is just a master man and i I love how much passion he has for digging records and mm. stuff like that because i i learned a lot of like from digging from listening to like mad lip stuff yeah
0: i was gonna say cause i listened to um ep you did with uh I forgot his name, but the Vibes. Yeah I, was to that, yeah, I was listening to that shout first song, Eugene, and man. I was like, this sounds like some Mad Lib type shit. That was the first thing I thought of
2: when I heard it. Man, um, yeah, shout out Eugene, man. Eugene Wright, he's uh, he's one of the first people like who showed me like just tons of love in this town. Man. Yeah, He's he's a very like selfless, I guess is the word. He's very selfless. He shows up for everybody. He shows everybody love. And Eugene just has beats of mind, and he was like, he hit me up. He's like, "Oh, bro, we're doing a, we're dropping three records on this day." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, hell yeah, bro!" So that's that's how it worked, man. He uh, he makes it so I can. Over the years, Eugene, uh, at the time it was LDLR, now they're Sankofa Suite, uh, but him and all the artists involved with him kind of made it so I, I would be myself and yeah. just make music at home, stay out the way, and they take care of it. They just release stuff and, you know, just make good music, you know?
0: So, like, with your production, I was I was thinking about this. um So when, like, someone comes to you, do they, like, have, like... Is it, like, kind of like DJ Premier where, they're like, they're, like, they come to you for, like, that type of beat, like, you know how Premier's known for that boom-bap beat and people come in for that? Or do you, like... Or do you kind of meet the artist and you cater the beat towards what they're looking for? Like, with Love More and Eugene Wright?
2: Right. I don't... I mean. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what people expect. I don't. Contrary to what to what people might think, I haven't very, worked with very many people. You know, like mm. so. I don't have. I don't know the, my perception, in and in, in people's. I don't know what my perception is out there. Um, I think people. I've been approached before, like, "Hey, I would like a beat like this," and I'm yeah. just like, "I mean, I'm not." I don't know how to make that beat. <laughs> really what I do, man, is I just sit down and I just record um I just record what I feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know that just sounds I'm a am a cringe when I hear that. <laughs> but it's like um it's our responsibility, it's my responsibility I think as as an artist, as a creator to like just if I feel something like a, a certain emotion yeah. or like you feel something in your spirit to get that shit out mm. and that's why immediately or as quick as, as you can that's why a lot of people get upset with me because like they're like hey where are the tracks of the song and i'm like oh it's just all will on one track like, yeah you know but it's like i just want to hurry up and and get it out because mm. it's about capturing a moment rather than rather than creating something that's gonna be like, everyone's gonna bob their head to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, that's what it is for me, like capturing a specific moment, like a picture, you know yeah. what I mean? You wanna capture a moment, so. Can you remember like the first like hip hop beat you made? Um, so I used to, I used to record, I used to record my homie Romero. Uh, he used to go by Jack Tripper at the time. Mm. So me and the homie, um again we would be at church you know we would be at church playing he used to play drums he's a sick-ass drummer and i used to play bass in like the church group and like praise and worship or whatnot but low-key we were just into like the beat nuts and we were into like you know tripod quest and we were listening to like lord finesse and yeah i mean just crazy like good ass hip-hop very east coast oriented yeah like hip-hop and we convinced our pastor there was two services, a morning service and an evening service. And we convinced our pastor to let us record between services. And she was like, I was like, it's Christian hip hop. <laughs> and uh, she was cool, man. Yeah. So it was crazy. She was, she was like, all right, cool. Just, you know, don't mess anything up or whatnot. And we recorded what, yeah, our first hip hop beats were were that. There were fake versions of Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> we were <laughs> We <laughs> were trying to redo um, the Beat Nuts. Yeah. Um, we were trying to play songs by like Helta Skelta and like just a bunch of hip hop shit. And it sounded fucking awful the way we were doing it. Like we were, we didn't do these artists any justice. Yeah. But we didn't know they were sampling at the time. Mm-hmm. So we were using like a M1 key- keyboard, a, yeah, bass, trying to- a guitar, like live drums. And I wish I still had those recordings, but <laughs> I don't. So those were like the first hip hop beats, I think. And then I found a dude in in high school who had a, a program called Soundforge. Yeah. And like a keyboard and stuff. And he would let me come over his house and record record there and stuff. Yeah.
0: So like what was the time like you finally like you made a beat and you're like, All right, this sounds
2: like close to what I've been listening to or like it impressed you. It was actually like later on, um, when I had already started digging for records and yeah. stuff. And I didn't even have a sampler. Like, I was uh, I was pretty broke. So I didn't have a sampler. But I had a, a four track. Mm-hmm. And um, I would will, I will run back the piece manually. Run back the piece on the record that I wanted. Let it go. And record it. So I record my drums first. And then keep doing that on three tracks over and over. And I just made a, like, a cool-ass beat. And I was just like, damn, this is tight. And I just kept doing it. And I had this, uh, I had this little fake ass beat tape I made, <laughs> and um, it wasn't, you know, it was MySpace I guess yeah. days, and I would put them up there, man, and I would get like a lot of love, which was funny as shit, cause I'm like, I, it, I was gassed, bro. I thought I was like, damn, I'm kind of, I'm kind of nice, you know. <laughs> And I had a shit little followers and all that, and and that's you know that's that's what gave me the initial start. Yeah, the initial yeah. start, and kind of put the battery in my back, you know. Mm. Yeah. So was that when you still were like on the West Coast? I was still on the West Coast at the time. Yeah, I didn't move to Birmingham until I think end of two thousand eight. Yeah. So what was like the transition for the move? Um, it wasn't. I mean, at that time, two thousand eight, I was already married. Yeah. And we had two kids at the time already so i didn't you know there i i was just focused on you know hitting the ground running when i moved here i wasn't i knew it was going to be different i had visited here before i knew it wasn't going to be like i knew it was in la yeah you know which i was living in ladera heights at the time um so when i moved here i was like i expected things to be different i wanted it to be but I wanted, like I said, I wanted to hit the ground running and I wanted to take care of my family more than anything. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't, I didn't have time to sit here and-, and
0: Think about it, how's yeah. it gonna be, yeah. Yeah,
2: it was, a, it was a little bit sad, like being away from like my dad and my sister and like my friends and my mom and stuff like that. You know, that was that was difficult. Um, so for about the first year, I was kind of like, just trying not to focus on how, like how much I miss them, yeah. you know what I mean? Also, I had given up music at the time. So right before I left L.A., um, I just said, you know, fuck it. I, I closed down my MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> closed down my just MySpace. Just when the tractor started, started, it's like, it's it's a a nah, this shit <laughs> wrap, <a> bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, no, nah, and I was just, I was just, I'm so serious. I was like, I'm not doing this music shit no more because, one, it's just like, every, everyone's doing it. Yeah. Um, and my MySpace proved that, right? Everyone can get a MySpace and yeah. start up. So for me, and I was a little disillusioned with, like, uh, with like musicians that I was working with at the time who, who I still love and appreciate. But just at the time, I was kind of, like, a little dis- disillusioned. Yeah. And um, so I just said, fuck it. I'm, I'm done. And I was focused on, you know, just my life, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why we moved here. So when did you start back up doing the music? Um <laughs> it was recently probably about a year and a half later. <laughs> it was um was funny story is um I was I got a I got here like on a Thursday yeah. and was working at a bank by Monday, which is crazy. That's crazy. It's super crazy. Yeah. And I had never worked in a in a bank, you know, I'd worked in corporate, I'd never worked at a bank. Um so and it was you know considering the year like 2008 like that was like financial crisis financial crisis Just going down like an yeah. economic decline so i was like damn this this bank to hire me and um so i went for it you know mm-hmm. and i was in there and a few months into getting the gig almost yeah almost about a year a year in, into it i came i came in, i came into work one day late and I was trying to sneak into work because dad told me, like, keep keep being late. Like, you might get written up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. So I walk in late. I knew something was wrong when no one said anything. So it's like, a oh, silence. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I walk in. I sit down at my desk. And there's a note on my desk that says, like, we are, um, we're shutting down this department. And, like... It was some bullshit, like, we appreciate your service, but f- for the betterment of the bank. We're like, sh- yeah, like, so we're shutting you appreciate we are shutting <laughs> shit down. <laughs> I was like, God damn, bro. Like, all right. So so we had like three months before they shut down the whole department. Yeah. So I didn't have a computer at the time or anything. My only computer was at work. So believe it or not, I brought my sampler, like a SP 303 into work. And I downloaded um, Adobe Audition. Which I'm using right yeah, now. <laughs> which we're using. Shout out Adobe Audition. Get <laughs> the sponsorship. Uh, and I, um, I had a disc that my homie Sire Red gave me. Yeah. And I, I, I put it in the, uh, the computer at work. And I actually installed it into my computer at work. And I brought in my sampler. And I started making beats at work in between calls because I was in the call center. <laughs> and, like, my boss kind of saw me. He, like snuck in sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what's he going to say? Yeah, you know what I mean, but it's funny because like I went hard, you know, in the in
0: the three months uh, period, in that, <laughs> that three month period, bro,
2: and I made like I made like songs that ended up becoming like like ended up being recorded, soon. yeah. And um and that's all I needed, man. Next job, um, I transitioned to another position at, mm-hmm. at BBVA at, at the bank. Can I say that name? <laughs> <So> <laughs> cut that out, man. But um, I transitioned to another job, yeah, and I did so well there. And my boss, he didn't care. He yeah. was like, What is that machine on? You know, I was like, Oh, I make beats, you know what I mean? Like, and he legit just was like, Cool. And I made like two beat tapes in there. Like, and I just that's what I needed, man. Around that time, like it just it just kinda got me back into it. I'm like, I don't care what any musician says, like, they ain't gonna stop making music. Yeah, I mean,
0: even if even wanna stop yeah.
2: even when they say they they gonna stop, they they're still in their house, like banging on the wall or doing something, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's just got to be Scratch. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What I really dig about your production is it's so, like, definitely so varied, because, like, listen to, like, the Eugene Wright stuff, reminds me mean, a Mad Lib, but also, like, uh, the EP you did, the Sunroom Sessions, it's got, like, a Jay Dilla-type vibe, mm-hmm. and Love More stuff's got, like, an R&B-type vibe to it. Like, do you kind of reach just to kind of varied production
2: styles, depending on who you're working with? Um, so, like, the, you mentioned the Eugene record mm. and Love More record. Um, so Love More, the Love More record was, um, I'm sorry, let me just say real quick, the Eugene record, uh, that first song was from a beat tape I did called, um, um, Slap Tags. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it was a record that I did in like a week that I just wanted to do like really grimy hip hop. Yeah. And, um, it was the first time that I kept putting that tag Sways One on it (laughs) and, um, when I was a kid, I used to tag, yeah. and when I was making, like, I had stopped by a gas station on the west side to like to pump gas, and one of my tags was on there. It said Sways, and that's that was the cover for the. So I, was like, <laughs> the I'll that I took a picture <laughs> of it. Yeah, so that's why I call it slap tags. It was that like combination of all that. So it was what how just music I was making at that period, and Eugene just so happened to pick that, and it's just a bunch of beats that I made over time. Yeah. So he put that together. So he he was a he was a genius that you know decided he wanted to use that use those beats or whatnot. And same thing with love more. Like, I mean, yeah, I made the beats, but she should get credit for putting it all together because these are all beats I made over time. And she mm-hmm. was like slowly picking and choosing what she wanted. Yeah. And just kind of kind of crafted it. You know what I mean? Um, the funny thing about the love more record is like the 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 most love we get. Uh, on that record is the first song. It's a trap. Yeah, because um, it's a really dope. It's a she. She killed it um, vocally. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, in my opinion, like that was. At that at, at that time, she had really came through vocally. Like it was different from her blue polka dots work. Uh, not that not that that wasn't good, but like her new record, like she was just like bam, she was singing, like she yeah. was coming with it, and that that song right there, like that that beat wasn't gonna be on the album yeah um I made a I made a beat tape for um for my dad when my dad passed away It's called Cross and switchblade and the the tape the tape is like a week it it outlines a week that I spent in LA while he was in the hospital mm. and when I left it's a trap it's, um it's actually called the crossing and switchblade that was the last beat on my beat tape. So it was a real personal beat to me. Yeah. So she was like, yo, let me get that beat. I'm like, nah, like nah. I don't know about this. That <laughs> ain't happening. That's that that was for my dad. That one's for my dad. Right. And I released my beat tape and fucking nobody heard it, of course. Like some, you know, it's just I released I released shit on the low. I don't it's not about that for me. I just wanna put it out there. I wanted to put it out there like I put it out there on my birthday. I did it for my dad. Yeah. And it was that. And um, but I went to to I met up with Love more at she was recording at B Flat's house, and um, shout out to B Flat because he's incredible man. And uh, we were listening to the music, and I was just like, you know what, man, fuck it. Like more people will listen to this beat if if you um, if you sang to it. Yeah. Then you know, if I just put it out as a beat tape, so to me that that song is special because it's like it has all the emotion that I had at that moment, you know. And that I that I that I put into it, and then it has all the emotion that she wanted to put into it to convey what she wanted to say as well. So it's just like, to me, it was like magic, you know. Yeah. And all the other music on there, she she compiled like throughout like couple years that I was just sending beats back and forth and stuff like that. So. So how long do you think like that kind of record took to be made? Simp girl.
1: Hmm.
2: Um. Um. I don't know. I I don't know. I know once she she really started working on it, yeah, it got done pretty quickly, like mm-hmm. over a summer maybe. You, would, I would probably check with her on that one, but those 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 B tapes were going on maybe, or those those me sending tapes were like maybe two years, yeah, like three years maybe, yeah. So we've been I've been sharing music for a while. A lot of the a lot of music I sent, she used on purple, um, uh, blue polka dots, excuse me, but the the Scent girl stuff. We, were, we were, I was exchanging music for a while. Mm. Mm-hmm. Another really question I wanted to ask you, being a producer,
0: do you think um, I know what kind of modern hip hop like after like Matic, there's like a tendency for like hip hop albums to like have like multiple producers, you know, on mm-hmm. one thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to like classic hip hop like Gang or Pete Rock's Real Smooth, which is just one producer with a hip hop artist. Do you think there's like something more magical about like hip hop artists being one producer as opposed to like you know having like a record with like eight or nine
2: people on yeah. that? I mean, I. You know, you mentioned Omatic, and I think I didn't. I never really thought about it, but mm. someone mentioned that Elmatic was first of its kind, yeah, and it was the beginning of like the super production thing, mm. and uh, and I think about that, and I think that it doesn't really matter as long as um, who's ever, who, whoever's putting it together is 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 doing it the right way, right? So if you listen to that record, the all all the there's the sounds. Are different but they're all kind of cohesive yeah so i think it's it's just based on on who's executive producing it or who's putting it together you know yeah but me personally like i like i mentioned earlier like mad lib like he produces whole albums for people uh i like that you know i like that idea of of like creating a whole soundscape yeah it's all our responsibility on the producer as well because we all sometimes have a tendency to be like to sound the same, you know, like not sound like our. our we don't want to bore the artist. We don't want to just have the beats same. sounding kind of similar. Yeah, to, yeah exactly. It, it should be about you know different soundscapes, but again, being cohesive. Yeah, yeah. So, how did you start getting into the DJing? Um, so, you know, when you when you make um, when you make beats using samples, like you start buying records. Um, at least that's how I do it. Yeah, and I love records. I love things that are tangible. You know, I like books, things like that. Um, And records just feel good to me, man. There's a specific sound that you can't emulate through, like MP3 or, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know, man. I just started buying records and I had a turntable. I know, like, that my favorite producers are DJs. Yeah. Or were at some point. So I just felt like, shit, why not? You know, like, let me let me learn how to mix records and let me learn how to how to spin and, and match beats and, and do things like that. I'm in no way, shape or form like ever consider myself a DJ. Yeah. Uh if you notice like if I do shows or whatnot, it doesn't say it never says DJ Sways. It just says Sways. Yeah. Um because there are people who have dedicated their lives to like really like honing the craft of DJing. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want it to be misconstrued like I'm that, you know? Yeah, I can. We're going to have fun. I'll rock a party. I'll I'll mix. The music won't stop, Yeah. but I have so much respect for for DJs out there who are just scratching and beat juggling and doing all kinds of extra stuff that like I respect that culture so much, man. So what is like your go to song? Like you say, get the party jumping, like as far as like DJing. Um, It all depends on the crowd, really. it all depends on the crowd. I think, like there, there are records with that work with every setting, mm. and um, I don't know. It, it, like I said, it depends on the crowd. I really like, um, I really like. What's this record, man? It's, uh, I don't know, man. It all depends. <laughs> like if we're, if I'm, I really like like upbeat, fun records. Yeah. The, a record that, and my wife always laughs because she's like, You always play this damn record. And I'm like, Yeah, you're right. But that's my shit. Like, I ain't going to stop playing it. And <laughs> it's a uh, student it's named Emilio Santiago, and it's mm-hmm. a song called Bananera. It's like a funky ass Brazilian record. Yeah. And every time I play it, man, just people just, you know, just, they just bop to it, yeah. you know, and it's just like, it's such a dope, it's just a dope thing to see. Uh, but if you're playing like a like a younger crowd and you're playing like, like some, like upbeat shows, you know, yeah. you, you try to mix the, the new with the old. So mm-hmm. I, I'll play Earth, Wind & Fire next to k Tronada, And, you know, like, and it, people won't even think of, uh, twice about it. Yeah. I think they might think that it's like a new song or something. Hold know? up, in September? Yeah. Th- <laughs> no, I play like that. That that song, um, I can't remember the name, but it's like a little, it's on, the, it's on this joint. I don't know. How to, I don't. I don't. I can't remember the name for mm. some reason. But it's like. At the end yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. it just goes into this funky drum Yeah, and um and I love playing that record, man. Mm. Yeah, I, I love playing that. But it's like, it's considered kind of like a outro. Yeah. Like, so it's like less than a minute. Mm. So you just spin it like forever. <laughs> so you bring back another record. Yeah. And you have two copies, and that that way you can go back and forth on it. Yeah. But um yeah, but yeah.
0: Has there like I know some DJs talk about this over like Questlove or like DJ Jazz Jeff? Like, has there ever been just like a set you played and just nobody was vibing to it? Oh, absolutely.
2: <laughs> um, you play about I, a time like that. That happens more often than not, believe it or not, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if I can say that, but I'll say that it's kind of like you know, like a comedians they say you bomb more than you kill, yeah. you know. Um, and then there's sometimes, sometimes you get invited to DJ somewhere and it's just not the proper setting. Yeah for for you or for the music you do and i know every dj is supposed to adapt to the room but i bring actual vinyl records to my to my sets i don't play i don't play anything but but actual wax so um and i usually come over prepared but yeah there's been times there's one time i was asked to play this uh to play like this diy spot and i was like all right cool and i was playing like really dope like like, Beats like I was playing, like Mind Design and like uh, MF Doom and mm-hmm. all kinds of really cool shit that I thought was really dope. But it was a punk show <laughs> and I, I was getting zero love, <laughs> and uh, it was it was an all ages thing. Oh, yeah, so there's like kids in there and like teenagers. Well, I took uh, there really wasn't, but I took my daughter with me, my oldest daughter, yeah, she she was probably like maybe like 13 at the time, and uh, she was just looking around <laughs> so like, look- and she was like. It was so funny, man. She's so cute, man. She she leaned over. She was like, "It's okay, daddy. I'm jamming to this. And was like, that's, what, that's what's up, baby." <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man, that's, yeah. that's funny. Like I'm I'm just thinking about like like yeah, bombing like with like records because I feel like certain people you know depend on like the era of hip hop you're playing. They're just like, what what is happening? Right, yeah. right.
2: No, and, and like I said, I was I tried real hard, man, but I, I didn't connect.
0: Give me a cool question. What is it... If you could, like, produce for, like, any, like, hip-hop artists.
2: Hip-hop artists? Yeah, like,
0: anyone who you think would be.
2: Man, I don't know, man. Like, current? Yeah. Current? Any time? Like, any era? I don't know, dude. All right, I'll I pick mean, you, current. I, you know what? I would love to... Um, when I heard Style Wars by Jay Electronica... Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to really work. Like, I was like, man, I wish I could work with this dude, man. He's incredible. I met him, actually, one time. So... You said what? I actually met him one time actually. You met him? Yeah. Cause he's from New Orleans.
0: Yeah, he's from New Orleans, my so dad. So are you, right? Yeah. My okay. dad actually, like, he knows him. Um Really? It was, yeah, it was like my dad's home a painting. It was like wow. a picture of me and him together. It was, it was Really? So yeah, and now like see him like when Jay-Z and stuff. So, was, like, so, that so Jay Electro
2: got a painting uh with your face on it, it. and <laughs> That's <laughs> sick, dude. He <laughs> bought a painting for my dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I know he 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 represent he represents New Orleans heavy. Mm-hmm. Um when I heard him, I was still in Cali, and I heard this. I heard that. Um, that whose world is this? Oh remake, yeah, that song. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was just. He said shit like, my my waves are spinning like blades These on Ferraris. Yeah, Dior shades mm-hmm. driving them silly. Big you know Willy, the Dilly. like you know, came with this cat from Philly. It, this went fire. off, man. Like it was l- Laker floor seats. Something you know, the Dilly. on fire like cracked us, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit was crazy. Yeah. So when I heard that song, I was like, man, like and as, as I don't know, man. I, I thought he was like so underground that you could still touch him, you know, and be yeah. like, yo, Jay, like Some beats. <laughs> holler at me, bro. Nah, him, um, so for sure him and definitely Ghostface Killah, Killer, man. Oh, dude, I was just uh, listening yeah. to Ghostface. Yeah, like, like Ghost to me is incredible. I've I've met him one time and handed him a beat tape. Oh shit. And um like how did you meet him? I went to an in store at Fat Beats on Melrose. Mm-hmm. It was right before Melrose Fat Beats, had closed, and um, I fucked up because I was working with a good friend of mine, and uh, in my opinion, we were making like some fire ass shit. And it's so embarrassing, but I gave them beats head with like a bunch of some of my some of my best beats. Mm-hmm. But the first song was a song that I did with with my homie. <laughs> I, on the beat tape, and I was just—he's just like—he just like, <laughs> hey, probably just chucked that shit, and I, I'm not even mad at it because I learned—I learned at that moment that I was like, yeah, that whatever you're working on with your friends is is completely separate from yeah, she from, says, the, from yeah. the music. You should be shopping. So, but you know, I never had any anybody like guiding me or yeah. tell me like this is what you do or this is what you don't do. I've never had a manager. You know, it's always just been me and yeah. just like, yeah, you know, just making beats. Yeah, so.
0: I feel like Ghostface is like all the Wu Tang members is probably like, the one like could probably like at least I like I feel like some of them like have classic albums. I feel like he has like three or four classic albums. Yeah,
2: I think anything anything Ghost Touches is, is incredible. I mean, you start with um, Iron Man, yeah, right? Supreme blind so, fish scale, fish scale. Um, I'm me personally. I even like the Pretty Tony LP. I think that shit is dope. And mm. um, Ghost is Ghost is the truth, man. Yeah.
0: What would you say you're, like, listening to right now as far as music goes? Mm, I've been listening to
2: a lot of, like, uh, a lot of jazz stuff lately. Um, I was laughing because I saw this. Uh, I-, I follow Freddie Gibbs online, and his stories are Dude, funny as <laughs> shit, man. But he posted one time, and he says, um, uh, you rap guys pushing forty uh, acting like you want to rap, you need to start doing jazz. <laughs> and I was like, "Shit, bro!" <laughs> Just at me next time, goddamn. It. <laughs> but um, no, I think like I think a lot of people uh, who do like rock music, yeah, they evolve into like more like a country style yeah. of music. And I think um, a lot of hip hop musicians uh, kind of go into a jazz thing, yeah, and. I, I really enjoy jazz. I mean, I think that's especially the that's kind of hip-hop I've listened to. Like, you know, you listen to The Far Side. Mm-hmm. You know, you listen to Tribe. There's like mad jazz samples. Exactly. So, you know, digging through records, you, you start looking for those samples. And you end up listening. Uh, all, all you young kids, this might happen to you too. But you'll end up listening to the jazz shit more than you listen to the hip-hop at some point. yeah. You'll you end up listening to the funk shit, like that funky shit, way more than you listen to the hip-hop shit. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. I like I like jazz a lot. I like um, world music. Um, I like bands like Coco Roco, um, uh, Yusuf Kamal, Kamal Williams, Yusuf Days. Um, there's so much music that I'm listening to right now, man, that I can't even like, it's it's hard to, it's hard to, like, even, like, you know, pull a record break it out. down Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm lucky because, you know, I get to play all that, that stuff on my, on my gig at Pastime Paradise mm. on Substrate Radio. Shameless. Plug, shameless, shameless plug. plug, bro. <laughs> Sundays at 12, 1230. 1230. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it twisted. Uh, no, man, but I listen to all that, bro. Like, I listen to a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, new, new hip hop, of course, I like, like, I really like like West Side Gunn. I think he's Conway, really dope. Team, Kanye, yeah. yeah, Conway. Um just Griselda, like they're just they're pretty incredible. My homie, my homie Ian champions them a lot and I really and I back him. I, I, I think he's I think he's right. I think they're 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 the shit. Um I like Freddie Gibbs, you know, when it comes to like hip hop.
0: Yeah. Him uh, and then
2: Mad Love's album he's done the two years. Yeah. Yeah, those records are really dope, man. Uh, Odyssey I really enjoy Odyssey um, I just saw his latest tiny desk and I'm just like Dad, he's because you know he's he's such a hip-hop guy yeah um, and he's a and he's a producer slash beat maker I mean a, I'm sorry a beat maker slash rapper and he's always been great and but you know after like um, was it the good fight I Think it might have been yeah so after that record uh you started like he got he released a beat tape and then he released another record uh and which i which i own and i love those records but you see him evolving into more of a live act yeah and when i heard this uh tiny desk i was just like damn he he, he's there you know what i'm saying he's at another level with it you know Mm what i mean so
0: do you think you'd ever like do kind of
2: you kinda do like live instrumentation like on some of the records you make because you play bass man you know what um i was lucky enough to like play with love Moore's band mm-hmm. uh a lot and like it was it was really dope like, there was incredible musicians um like the homie Thoven bay on on bass uh the homie gap tooth on keys he's an incredible musician and producer as well both of them are and it was just dope man like yeah Imagine like you made some shit in your living room in the middle of the night. And you're playing with like a full band. And <laughs> now you're hearing it with a full band and you're playing bass, you know like mm. um so it's really is it's really dope. I am really glad I had the chance to do that. But uh I, I played in bands when I was younger and I just prefer making beats by myself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well Swayze, I want you to thanks me for being a part of this, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank no you problem, so man. much, man. Um thank you. Appreciate yep. the opportunity.
0: Yep. I want to thank Swayze for being a guest in today's episode. If you want to listen to any of his music, you can find it on Spotify and all streaming platforms. I want to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. And I'll see you again on Friday.